Welcome, folks, to another episode of That Anita Live. I'm Anita, your host, and we create emotional healing to help you create a happier life. Today, my topic is healing your past. I sit today with none other than Jillian Short, the CEO and founder of Always a Voice. She has an extraordinary story of overcoming trauma from the past and living an extraordinary life. Hi, Jill, how are you? I'm so happy to be here and I'm great. <laughs> so happy to finally be here to meet you. I found your story. I first became aware of your story, of course, on social media, Facebook. Yeah. It was such a striking and emotionally moving story that I, I had you on the list to reach out to, but then when you reached out to me, it was kind of like confirmation <laughs> that we yeah. were supposed to, to meet and have this conversation. Absolutely. Now you are a survivor of yes. childhood sexual abuse. Yes, absolutely. But your experience wasn't addressed in your right. childhood. Yes, exactly. I find that so often the case. And you know, the, the, when I was a child, we didn't really know. We didn't know. Um, nobody talked about it. And at this point in time, I think America and the world has come out to a different, uh, we're doing a lot better in that we are speaking about it. I still think we're speaking a lot in ignorance because mm -hmm. we don't really know what we're dealing with. And people do not take it with the same passion as they would if they found out they have diabetes. Right. Then what do we do? We go, we Google it, we find a book, we read, you know, what can we do? What diet restrictions can we do? We can start walking, we can do these things, and we can get better. It is not a death sentence right. when we find out we have diabetes. Because people will continue, they will rearrange their life. That's right. And but we do not have that type of outlook for abuse and the problems that come. And we have no idea a lot of times that what we're dealing with in our own lives is because of what we've gone through. In our childhood. Yeah. Area, because childhood trauma yes. creates adult yes. dysfunctional Absolutely. behavior. And you can read about that with um, this, the ACE studies, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. Those are, that's an incredibly, incredibly exciting study you can read. And it, it's not like knowing these things really change anything. However, it changes perspective. And when we can change our viewpoint and our perspective, I am such a believer in that. Because then we can literally change our life. Now, your experience was suppressed yes because while you had that low point as a childhood you also had some great exposure in yes. being a missionary yes yes my childhood um, abuse happened when at a very young age mm -hmm. and um, I feel confident to go ahead and say uh, some of the um, particulars it was um, an older brother that um, abused me he did not get help I did not tell anyone so I went on and when he moved away, he was quite a bit older. And when he moved away, my abuse stopped. My parents ended up becoming missionaries and I grew up um, in a foreign um, land working with people. I started a school as a teenager. I was very passionate about that. And my issues became buried yeah. and forgotten. Because life continues yes, to move on. Which yeah. is, I have found, incredibly normal. 
That's mm -hmm. a very, I mean, there are several ways that people can go through um, how they deal with it. Sometimes people turn into maybe having a lot of um, um, acting out. For me, I just think that the way my life was, it just ended up becoming unaddressed. I never confronted my brother. And he went on many, many years later to abuse again to other children. And he is now serving still 11 years today. Wow. Wow. I went on to not get help and went into a very, as I said before, I, uh, my church um, affiliation was very big into um, an erroneous teaching that um, it's interesting how they can take something that is intended to bring freedom and it can literally enslave people. Right. Yeah. So I was told that um, when the abuse was happening to me and in the church that I was in, we were to be quiet, submissive and silent and forgive. And, you know, I believe in forgiveness, However, but there is nothing. <laughs> There is nothing right. right about living in the darkness. Because the two most ways that people mishandle trauma, tragedy that we go through emotionally, is we either repress it or we suppress exactly. it. Exactly. But either yeah. way, it isn't processed and we right. don't deal with it. Yes. Which just makes life, it seems mm -hmm. easier, but it's more difficult That's to right. live. Yes. Yeah, and I believe that that principle of walking in the light is just so empowering. So, you know, years later, when I had children of my own, I found out that they were being sexually yeah. abused. And knowing what I know now, it's, it's, it's almost, it's not funny when I say the word funny, not like hilarious right, funny, right. but it is a very, the irony, the irony yeah. that here I was, I was the type of mom that I have 10 children. I homeschooled, mm -hmm. and, and again, I, I'm not saying that any of these things are wrong. In fact, I love my kids. They, they were the treasures that God kept dishing out in the middle mm -hmm. of my mess, in the middle of my pain, yeah. and I had no choice. I kept having to have babies because that's, that was what I, was, I had to do. Right. But in the midst of all that, it, it was, was such it was, a blessing. It kept me going, and the belief was, or the <laughs> belief that was being taught yes. was that that was one of your responsibilities yes. as a woman. Yes, exactly. And I did that with all my heart, out of a good heart. And I did it, I did it truly to the best of my ability. So when I found out that they were being hurt, it set me into a spiral of anxiety, PTSD. How did of my you find own. out? Well, interestingly, I mentioned earlier that I did not speak up when I was little. Right. So we didn't get help. Well, I had done a, a partway job in telling my children to speak up. I wasn't to the point where I am now. Like now, they, my kids now, I still have two at home that are 11, 15. They're involved in my work. They know my work. They go out, they do it in their own schools and in their own way. Now they're out reaching out for people. But back then I had done sort of the I guess what I would say the normal um, aspect of, you know, I've had the talk with them about make sure that you tell someone mm -hmm. if something's happening. Much too late, one of my daughters did tell me that something was happening. I wish that they had told me sooner, but thankfully they did. They did speak up and um, then we were able to 
take some action. But even still, the group of people that I was in at the mm -hmm. time did not handle this correctly. What was their response to you when you began to take action? Their response was, he has repented, you must forgive and move on. So there was no comforting or nurturing, My there was children no recommendation of counseling no. or any techniques Nothing. that were recommended? Nothing. And um, years later, when I finally woke up from the fog, you know, I, I went through my years of uh, feeling victimized and feeling, oh my goodness, just a responsible I mean, I, feeling. I'm a guilt, human, I'm a person, shame. and I wasn't allowed to feel anger because anger was wrong. I wasn't allowed to speak out because that was dishonoring. And you can only do that so long. Thankfully, there was enough of, I believe, an innate knowledge of what truth really was. Yeah. And I knew my defining moment was, this is not truth. And I won't put up with this anymore because this is not who I am. I am not this. I am a priceless treasure of the most. And time. so are my children. Because mm -hmm. you have 10 kids. I do. You homeschool. Yes. So you and your kids were very involved in the church at the time. Yes. How did you taking action affect your marriage? Oh, my life was a process at that time because um, we can only kind of act on what knowledge we know. Right. So as I walked in the light, more light shone. Mm -hmm. So as I walked, um, we ended up changing to a different church fairly soon after that that was a little more lenient. Okay. They were a little more supportive of what we were going through and it was in that church that I was able to relax enough. I went to counseling, my kids went to counseling and it was later then that I, that I was hit with my next, what I call my moment of, of um, transformation. Okay, now, <laughs> now in, the, in the counseling that you received as, as mom, because mom takes on full responsibility for her kids. Yes. Anything that happens to them, she receives that yes. emotionally as her fault. Yes. Was there any particular counseling technique or breakthrough that you had that made you realize it wasn't your fault, you weren't to blame, and then how did you begin yes. to build yourself again as a mom? Yes, and I, I went through counseling, thankfully landed with a really wonderful therapist at mm -hmm. the time, mm -hmm. and she kept hearing me asking the same questions. What was I thinking? Why did I do that? What made me act like this? I am not a weak, powerless woman. At, by nature, I'm, I'm an out-of-the-box thinker, I'm a take-charge person, but I wasn't allowed to be. And I kept coming out in therapy saying the same questions. What was I thinking? And in tears, tears just, I mean, you know, tears running down my face. What was I thinking? And she was wise enough to say, you need to find the answer for that. You're asking that question, there's an answer for that. So she made me do the work. She wouldn't tell me. <laughs> she made me do the work. She said, don't you stop until mm -hmm. you find the answer for those things. And that is something I would, I would say to anyone that's listening, if you have questions that you keep asking over and over again, there's an answer for them. And we are not powerless. We can find those answers. And I found the answer. And the answer is that I was a product of where I had been and the light that I had 
and that my responsibility now, since having the light shone into my life, that my responsibility was to walk in that light. And that's it. That's all I needed to do. And as I did that, I took a step, and I took a step, and I took a step, and I took a step. And here I am today, and it's no longer about me, because we have come out of the hole, and it's my turn now to give back. It's my family's turn to give back, because we are, we're doing really well. <laughs> but you know, speaking of the light, a lot of people get frustrated, because all you get is that, that clarity for the one next step. Yes. But education conditions yes. us to think of the end first. Yes, exactly. Yes, and I have to say that, that uh, that's actually very, very true. And what we need to do is we need to envision the change that we want. And millions of people have to make that choice every day. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more for Extraordinary Story of Recovery and the avid speaker, author of three books. We'll get more into that when we get back. Never miss a moment. Subscribe to my YouTube channel today at thatanitalive.com forward slash YouTube. We're back with Jillian Shorts, avid speaker, author of three books, internationally known, sharing her story of overcoming trauma with us. We were, we were going into your recovery process, because you'd mentioned that PTSD and anxiety oh, yeah. was one of your defining oh, yeah. moments. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tell us a little bit more about it. Okay, so this is kind of a, I, I try to bring as much humor into it as I can, but you know the phrase where you says no, that it says um, nobody can know what, uh, nobody's walked a mile in my shoes. Right. Okay. Well. You know, when a, when a therapist hands a kid a piece of paper and says, draw something, you know, they draw something and then the, the therapist can kind of look and see, oh my, you know, they've, they've drawn some right. all in black or something right. and then they can kind of analyze. I never realized that my come apart was very symbolic. I didn't realize it in, for many years, but what happened to me is I had been um, squashing my feelings mm -hmm. for many years. So this is going way back from, I had um, my, uh, the abuser had already been to prison, had been out. Um, I was still walking in, you know, I need to forgive, I need to be, you know, so I'm, I'm still doing my you, thing. Right, you, you know. were still walking in, not allowing yes. yourself oh, to yes. feel and, and not I, giving yourself yes. permission to process it yes. and feel it internally. And I remember, you know, go, somebody said to me one time, now honey, you might feel angry one day about this. And I, and I said, Oh no, you know, I, I have forgiven. I had never allowed myself to feel anything. And that's a dangerous place to be. Very much so. Okay, so for me, uh, I guess I can look back at the defining moment of when I really woke up. Okay. Was quite, it was actually several years after all of the abuse had stopped. Their abuser had already been to jail and back, I said. And I was at a banquet at church and somebody got up to sing a beautiful song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and the sun does not appear, I will be here. Mm -hmm. Beautiful song mm -hmm. about married love and what is supposed to be. And, and it's not like I hadn't already, in fact, I've sung that song. I'm a musician. I've, I've sung it at weddings. I've done it. But you know, 
we can go along and we can feel, and I looked back at my life and so much was happening. Things were building and I was, I was ready to, to blow, basically. <laughs> I didn't know it was gonna happen that night. But I went to this banquet and a friend of mine was very upset with me and she said, we need to talk. And I said, well, what's going on? She said, I don't wanna talk to you here because we were, we were supposed to be setting up, we were serving, we we're at the banquet. And she wanted to talk to me and she said, I'll tell you later, but I'm really upset. And I said, well, what is it about? And she said, well, it's about, and she's like, okay, I'll tell you what it's about. And she proceeded to tell me that one of my children had told her child of a bunch of stuff that had happened in our family. At this time, I was the women's ministry pastor at my church and had never, ever been truthful about what I'd been through. Carrying the facade. Yes, and, yeah. and we had a nice family. I'm telling you, we really did. Picture, My kids were wonderful. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Homeschool. Uh, oh, yeah. And Gorgeous so, children, yes. perfect picture. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they knew that we had had marriage problems, and I shared that. In fact, I, I wrote a book at that time about, you know, God can fix anything, and I was talking to people about what God can do, and, and I still believe that, but we need to walk in truth here. But, and, but God doesn't, <laughs> the, the misconception and the thing that bothers me the most is that people think when they say, you know, oh, just have faith. Yeah. Or time heals all wounds. Right. That God somehow is going to miraculously or, or snap his fingers and magically yeah. change that's how right. you feel internally. That's right. And that's the work that you have to put in. If you look at any or every miracle in the Bible, there's that's always right. a part that the human being, the person is responsible for doing. Exactly. And whether that is looked at from a religious standpoint, because many of you out there that will hear my story do not have a religious background. You do not have a faith-based life. I do, and I make no apologies for that. Although I have to say that there was a couple years that I broke up with God <laughs> through this, <laughs> but I've worked through that. But everyone can identify with the story because it's a human story. Mm -hmm. It's a human story about walking in truth. And truth is truth is truth is yes. truth yes. the world over. So is abuse. The abuse so is world over. What was, what, what was your, I guess, first episode of PTSD? So it was, it was that night was at it, the was, banquet. So that once she said that, the anxiety within you began to build. Yes, and I believe that I had already had that, you know, ever since I found out the kids had been abused and I was holding it together so much, but I, I mean, I was a mess. Because, I was a because mess. that was the picture. That's what you were supposed to do. Yes. A lot and of us living supposed so to be instead of I was trying so hard. Living authentically. So when my friend, she started rattling off, your daughter said this. And, and as she was saying it, I was like, right. and it, I didn't have anything to say because it was like, you. well, yeah, yeah that, that's true. And then she said another thing. And, and they, she said this. And I'm, by the time she rattled off 10 or 12 things all at once, mm -hmm. I was so dumbfounded. And I thought, my goodness, I don't know. It is very strange to say that how can someone live in the face of this, the forest and the trees thing? And here I was, never would have ever said I was in an abusive situation. The church upbringing that I had was abusive. I never even used that word. When it hit me, I ended up in the parking lot I don't remember this. <laughs> I really, I blew, okay. I ended up in the parking lot 
A few of my friends were out in the, out in the parking lot getting something, and it was snowing. I ripped off my shoes, apparently, heels. I was throwing them into the cars in the parking lot, screaming. I was running towards my shoes, finding them, picking them up again, and someone ended up getting me into the church and said, what's going on? Yeah. And, I, and I said to myself, and it was a very strange experience, but I looked at myself, it was like me looking at me, and I said, I've never been there for you. I have never stood up for you. I have never been truthful for you, and I will never do that again. And I made a promise to myself that I have kept. Everything that happened to you, you kept bottled up for years. Yeah. And so many people do that. And then there's that one event yeah. where the explosion happens. Yeah. And it may look crazy. It yeah. may look it was. <laughs> out of the <laughs> just out of the ordinary to an outside viewer. Yeah. But internally, mm-hmm. you knew this is where this has to That's stop. Right. This is where something has to change. Yep. And I can't continue to live my That's life right. like this. What were the changes that you made? The changes that I made was I left, um, I stood up and left my marriage for wow. one. I ended up losing a bunch of friends for that, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. I began to um, take a different step towards my therapy. I got my children um, a different form of therapy at that point actively. And um, I began over the next few years to start a small support group that I never dreamed would end up where I am. And um, ended up over the years just realizing that, you know, the anger kind of melted. I used to, I was angry for a while. I was angry at God at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I was angry at my friends and my, my extended family and different people for not understanding me. And then I realized that they really weren't to blame because there's not enough education about how to deal with people like us. And, and actually, I found out that we're not really alone. Hmm, at all. We're not. And it is a very, very sad thing that people that go through these things have no one to talk to. They feel very alone, and they're not. They're not alone. And that became a huge focus. And when uh, my brother, it was right around that time that he was arrested and went to prison for a very long time. Because when you, when you live in truth, you become ostracized. Yeah. Because at that defining moment when you decide to live in truth, the people that you have around you do not. Yes. So you're making a, a yes. very big yes. change in your life. Yes. And when you move from not to being authentic, I was told you're actually being moved up levels. And yeah. as you go up, your circle will get smaller. Yes. yes, absolutely. And it became very empowering, though, to realize that it doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm being true to me. Right. I'm being true to my kids. And my kids, my children are powerhouses. My oldest daughter is just was crowned Mrs. Florida United States the other day. Yeah. And she is an advocate, absolute powerhouse, fighting against sex trafficking, human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I do now. I'm with a, a larger organization than the small one that I began. I'm with um, Stop the Silence, which is an a international organization that fights against child sexual abuse. But she's really playing down the organization. <laughs> the organization <laughs> is amazing. Right. And, and the Facebook group that you run is also amazing. 
Thank you. I, I love it. It's a family. It really is. <laughs> how, how did you start that? Because some people start Facebook groups because they're looking for someone to talk to. Yeah. You know, I, I was, an ex was it an extension of the organization or how did that get started? It was an extension of the small uh, weekly support group that I had at the time. Never dreamed that it would become what it was and never dreamed that I would find my wonderful friend Pam, Pamela Pine, who is the CEO of Stop the Silence, mm -hmm. and she was right up the road, and here I was like struggling along with my little group, and then I found her up there, and then we've, we've become this, um, she's, yeah, I feel like we are. We're really good together. Yeah, we've, we just finished a, an, a training, a whole country was trained in child sexual abuse in January. We went to Cyprus and um, began what I believe is going to be a model through many, many countries are now um, asking for this same training. So walk us through the training. What are the tenets of it? The trainings that Stop the Silence does is geared towards um, hopefully to go into the Ministry of Education, the people that are way up here, and if we can get them educated about child sexual abuse, the um, adverse effects of it, what can be done, awareness, how to teach children, how to teach families, what to do, if we can go in there and train people up here. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did in 2014. We trained the whole government level, the Ministry of Education and the people that were up here. Then several years later, they had enough funding. We, we came in and we did child psychologists and school counselors. So, I mean, it was just, it's like a, a trickling down. So how, how would a parent recognize mm. Good question. That their child is experiencing trouble and then to identify it as yes. sexual abuse. Wonderful question. And I had a doctor that years ago when my children were being abused and I didn't know, the doctor spoke to me and said, I believe your daughter's being sexually abused. And I was irate and said, no way. And I believe that what we need to look for, I believe that we know innately that something's wrong, but we've been trained to trust, to trust. And we've been trained to still the alarm bells. And the alarm bells are going off, they're going off, and we know. And I think the biggest thing is to listen to our alarm bells as a mom. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I had them, but I didn't listen. So there's a lot of things you can read about, you know, the different, the changes of behavior, the bedwetting. My children had all of those. Now they weren't acting out, but they were very fearful. They had anxiety. They had different things, headaches. They had um, eating disorders. They had all of that going on, the ones that were having the issue. So definitely listen to your, you know, learn about the stuff. Follow your gut. Follow your gut. Yes. Follow your gut. Yes. If you are experiencing mental, physical, emotional abuse, know that help is available for you. Yes. Reach out to someone there. Those of us that are on Facebook, there are national hotlines that you can contact. Yes. Even if your event happened a long time ago, there is still self-esteem issues. There may be suicidal thoughts. It can still affect you in your adulthood because childhood trauma turns into adult dysfunction. There is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. There is also the National Sexual Assault Hotline. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-HOPE. 
That's 1-800-656-4673. I am Anita, your host, That Anita Live, emotional healing to help you create a happier life. Be sure to check out thatanitalive.com for information on where you can view our next episode. Until next time.